0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome to The State of Recruiting, a weekly podcast featuring the insights of Longhorn recruiting analyst Mike Roach and hosted by Bobby Burton. Roach offers unparalleled insight into recruiting on the 40 Acres. Each week, he crisscrosses the state, watching and talking to blue-chip recruits. And I'm Bobby Burton, a 1992 Texas grad and one of the recruiting industry's founding fathers. I played a formative role in the creation of both 24-7 Sports and Rivals.com. The State of Recruiting is taped each and every Wednesday during football and recruiting season. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hook em. Mike, uh, welcome in to today's show. How you doing, man?
2: I'm good, Bobby. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, so the Longhorns last week had, had a uh, a shot across the bow uh, of uh, Texas A&M, or, or made one, uh, when uh, Fort Bend's Troy O'Meara, uh decided to flip from Texas A&M uh, to Texas. What can you tell us about Troy?
2: Yeah, it was a really... Um, I i i wouldn't mark it as a total surprise because like i said there i had talked to a source at texas that told me that you know they were still very much swinging on omir but it wasn't made clear like hey but we're really close to something happening so um i was actually in the air on the way to tucson to go see Bijan robinson and landed uh saw all the news so uh kind of a wild uh friday afternoon for me but um you know, Troy fits exactly what Texas loves at the exposition. He's he's a big physical receiver, um, who uses his body well, uses his strength well. He's not the downfield threat um, that other guys are, but uh you know, I think that, that he's a guy that they can they feel that they can move at the exposition, he can play one on one on the boundary, win those battles and um, you know, give them the physical chain moving uh receiver that they want right there. Uh really, you know, the thing that that really sticks out to him to me was when I first saw him uh, as a sophomore was at a camp, and you know I, I said to somebody else that he looked like Brennan Eagles except more athletic. Now, over that period of time, I think that he's kind of put on a little bit of weight. I think he's stiffened a little bit. Um, He is not the guy and Brendan Eagles has really surprised me kind of with his play um, on the field, being able to get downfield and be a a big play receiver in college. But I, you know, with Troy, the biggest questions with him are are what size is he going to stay at? And if he can beat the press at the line, Um, those are really, you know, the biggest things we, I would worry about with him. But as far as uh, his skill, you know, I mean, he has everything that you, that Texas really looks for size and in athleticism wise, out of that exposition, and uh, obviously, huge. And then when you go into to look at it and say that it was a head to head win and it was a flip over Texas A and M, I mean it's rare. There, flips are very rare in this rivalry. I mean the last flip in the rivalry was in twenty fifteen when A and M flipped Connor Landfear from from Texas, and the last time Texas flipped a kid from A and M was in twenty twelve when they got Marcus Johnson. So I mean they don't. You know people say all the time, "Oh, we'll just flip him down the road." They just rarely ever happen. So um, obviously that that's big from that standpoint.
1: Gotcha. Um, I think Otoro, was Otoro Alaka the same, the same year? I think he actually may have came later yeah, because that was the year was, that, uh, that was the year that Tom Herman showed up on campus, right? After the, uh, or, or after the, uh, coaching your, change.
2: Yeah, that was your strong showed up was 15. And, um, uh, Landfear, I believe, was yeah, it may have been a Alaka actually. Alaka may have come after Landfear, so he count he was in that same class. Gotcha. Um, I believe that was the year that <laughs> Mac had used all the in home visits, and so Charlie got here and like couldn't go visit in home with Alaka.
1: That's exactly correct. Yeah, it was almost uh, a <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things. All right, <laughs> so you mentioned over A and M and and how rare those those change of hearts are. I guess I'm circling back to um, – I, I look at the difference between the two classes right now, and Texas is, is, is winning a lot of in-state battles head-to-head with A&M. Um, and at the same time, A&M is, is being forced to go out of state for a lot of its commitments, which is somewhat similar to what Texas did last year in the face of A&M getting uh, some, some high-end guys in-state first. Um, is that what you expect to transpire over the next couple of years or or what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think that this series really kind of swings back and forth year to year. And, and, you know, I mean, coming out of 2018, Texas dominated in state. Now they had, uh, you know, a down Kevin Sumlin and a, a dying program and, and a new, and, you know, they had a new program with Tom Herman, but I mean, they literally just, took anybody they wanted in state that year. Um, and then in 2019, you know, with AM getting Jimbo Fisher, um, you know, they kind of took the balance back. Texas took it back this year. So it's kind of a back and forth fight. And I think it's going to depend on, on the way seasons end and whose outlook looks better and, um, you know, really just depend on the kids year to year and who they like and, and what type of personalities they fit uh, but yeah, I mean, Texas is winning their fair share of head to heads this year. Um, you know, head to heads, when we talk about them, they're funny because it's not purely a guy who has a Texas and an AM offer, because it depends on how that recruitment broke down. For instance, um, you know, for Texas, like Hudson Card has an AM offer. I wouldn't call that a head-to-head win. Hudson Card was never really going anywhere other than Texas. It's not that they had to really outlast AM for him. On the other end, you know, uh, Akinola Agumbie has a Texas offer. Well, he's tried to commit to Texas in the past, and they told him no. So, again, I wouldn't call that a head-to-head win. I've got it at 7-2 to two right now. Texas with 7, um, and, and Texas A&M with 2. Uh, so Texas has uh, – as one from them in direct head-to-heads, Josh Eaton, Princely Uman, milan Vernon Broughton, uh, Keaton Crawford, Xavier uh, Alford, Jalen Garth, and Troy O'Meara, and then Texas A&M's one, Jalen Jones and Demont Demus. Those are the basically the the true head-to-heads in the series, and um, so when you look at them that way, Texas is uh, is up by quite a bit.
1: Gotcha. Now officially, what does uh, O'Meara come in at height and weight wise?
2: I believe he's about six foot three, two fifteen ish, and you know he took a he took a rankings drop in the spring. Um, so much so, here's a funny story for you, Bobby. I was out mowing my yard one day, wearing a twenty four seven shirt, and a guy pulled up on the curb on it, it was like on a rankings day, and asked me why Troy Omir dropped so much. Um, and that that was that was kind of my first experience with oh wow, this is what it's like. <laughs> with the network, so uh, yeah, that we've got him at six three and a half to ten. So um, he took a rankings drop because, because, like I said, I think he put on some weight. He showed some difficulty getting off the line of scrimmage. Um, I think that I, I'm really interested to see his senior film. It's private right now because I'm doing a, a senior film review on on the offensive uh, uh, offensive commits today, and uh, unfortunately Troy's is private, so I won't be able to see it. I'll just see him in person, but. Um, really interested to see, you know, kind of what he has this year.
1: Right. I, I think the other thing to add about Omir, and, and this is really where he differentiates himself from a lot of um, sizable receivers. It's my understanding he also has like an eighty-plus wingspan, which is similar to in size ten and a half to ten and three-quarter hands, which is similar to NFL offensive lineman wingspan and, and hand-wise, just for people out there that that don't understand how big his features actually are, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that's important. So that puts his, his commitment puts Texas at 20 for the class of 2020. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: And what are they, what are they ranked in the country now?
2: Uh, number five. So they are a top five class officially. Um, we'll see if they can hold on to that. It's going to be tough with limited spots and and other schools expected to come on late, but, uh, they are a top five class as of now.
1: Uh, Any, uh, total numbers, Mike on, on this year, still what you're looking at?
2: Probably about 23 still. I think, I think there's about three more spots left in this (laughs) class. I mean, Look, Tom Herman and his staff have been really good at squeezing everything they can get out of them each year, and um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they found a, a you know one or two more. But uh, twenty-three to me looks like the number. Gotcha.
1: All right. Before we get on to our next segment, which is going to be uh, about uh, where Mike has gone this past weekend, meeting up with Bijan Robinson out in Tucson, Arizona, uh, for uh, his matchup with Glendale Cactus. Uh, we're gonna promote the uh, Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe. Uh, You can subscribe to the Blitz via the Blitz podcast. It's taped each and every week uh, during football and recruiting season. Uh, Subscribe uh, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for more uh, Longhorn podcasts, uh, check out Jeff Howe's Longhorn Blitz. Um, Mike, let's talk about uh, Bijan now. If you don't mind, uh, the running back from Tucson, South Point Catholic that uh, committed to Texas over Ohio State and a number of others this week. Uh, First off, uh, tell me what you thought of him and and when you saw him.
2: Yeah, you know, I was I was incredibly impressed by by Bijan Robinson. I went into it not really knowing what to think. I mean, this was a kid putting up video game numbers. I had heard the, the things about competition I tried to gauge kind of the competition in my head, just looking at the guys. What were they, what did they look like size wise? What did they look like athleticism wise? And I think what I came up with is they're probably about a a level of, of high three a in Texas, maybe low four a. And I think that that South point team could play easily at the top levels of Texas private school and and have no problem. Probably wouldn't state. Um, I mean, it, it is a step down in competition, but I don't think it's playing nobodies. Uh, for Bijan, I mean, he does look like he's just hardly even trying out there, and that's the thing that people remark most. Even my wife, um, who watched a, a video I cut together of him, said he doesn't even really look like he's like it's. He looks like it's effortless, and to me, that's kind of the hallmark of um, you know a great player. I mean, he went out there and had like 166 carries on, uh, or I'm sorry, 166 yards on 10 carries, uh, three touchdowns had came in for two passes, caught both of them. One went for a touchdown. So, um, you know, the things that were most impressive about him, just his balance, his love uh, center of gravity, the way he kind of uh, is able to, to run through contact in the lower body. Um, he kind of is like a uh, like a pinball. Um, he just kind of bounces off guys when they hit him low. And then, his change of direction is is so elite to me. I mean, he really changes gears smoothly and and doesn't lose any speed. Um, I, I think he's a I think he's a great fit for the offense. You know, I, I asked him what he thought and uh, his maybe player comparison was or a guy he would model his game after, and he said Lashawn McCoy, which I think is a is a fantastic uh, comp for him. And I, I just. I really loved everything about his game. He's a special player, special young man. Uh, talking to him afterwards, and um, yeah, I think he's he's absolutely an elite elite guy.
1: Gotcha, um, Texas. That's uh, Robinson. By the way, n- is not the only recruit on that team that Texas is looking at. There's a 2021 offensive lineman, Jonah Miller. What, what did you think about Jonah?
2: Yeah, Jonah was really good. He's got a tackle body, but probably guard feet. Um, and so he plays inside. Uh he's about six, six to 80, I think. Um, and he was actually the, the one who visited with Bijan in spring when Bijan first came down. And, you know, Jonah told me he really liked Texas and then Bijan being there makes it so much better for him. I think it's a guy he really looks up to and um so yeah, he's he'll definitely be back for uh probably for an official visit as well next year, but uh you know, really just a big kid, a smart kid, um really strong at the point of attack. I mean, he was he was able to move a little bit laterally. They do a lot of zone stuff and a lot of cutback stuff. And uh I thought he had a really good day. Um you know, just kind of opening up holes up front. Um you know, he is uh he's a he's a really down to earth kid and a really um you know, a kid who's kind of got you know, his head about him when it comes to making his college decision. And so I think I love that in an offensive lineman because I think those traits transfer to the field quite a bit, especially when it comes to intelligence. So I think he's a really good player. I think and I talking to somebody at Texas, they really like him as well. Um, you know, I think that he there's obviously in the twenty twenty one class, it is loaded at the offensive line position in state. So I think they would probably have to take up to six take him and they would probably have to take him as a guard
1: gotcha i, I tell you what we're going to come back to Bijan robinson at the end of this podcast because mike uh, did a special interview for him for this podcast and we'll close this podcast with a uh, interview with Bijan. so i want to i want to promote that a little bit how big did you think robinson really was from from being out there mike
2: I would probably say he's about – and I'm a horrible judge of of height uh, just looking at it. And partly that's because I think I'm taller than I am. Um, So uh, I think he's probably about 5'11-ish, 5'11 and a half. Probably about 195 to 200, somewhere in that range, but really defined uh, muscularly and, and really in the lower body, which I love for running backs because, uh, you know, when you get you get that with Yancy McKnight, he's just going to be able to build it up and make him faster and, and more explosive as well.
1: How, how did his hands look?
2: His hands were fantastic. In fact, there's a, so I I strung together like a a highlight clip of all the videos I I did. There's a drill they were doing before the game where they were just running swing passes and he plucked one out of the air, like one handed in a way that I've never seen anybody catch something one handed. Um, It's not like he put his hand up and it hit his hand and he closed it. Like he literally reached up and just plucked it out of the air one handed. Um, He runs routes really well. Like in the second basically the second quarter through the end of the game, they just moved him to the slot and put the backup running back in. And he was running routes really well. He uh, he caught the ball really naturally. He's a, They don't use him a ton in the passing game, but he is a great pass catcher, uh, a really complete pass catcher. Reminds me a lot of Keontae Ingram um, when he came out of high school, as good as he was catching the ball.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting to me because, I mean, Texas is really using – uh, the backs out of the backfield right now. I mean, just against Oklahoma State alone, uh, Keontae Ingram and Roshan Johnson both had really key first down, big, big time catches during that game. And uh, that checkdown option for Texas and and the swing pass against the blitz has has been a, a key uh, key piece of their offense this year. So I think uh, if the Horns can uh, continue to find running backs that can that can play well out of the backfield. It's only gonna gonna help the offense. Um, again, Mike had an interview with uh, Bijan that uh, actually was uh, revealed a unique aspect of the the uh, South Point Catholic program that I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear about, uh, and that'll be again uh, aired at the at the end of this podcast. Mike, while you were out in Arizona, did you get any other intel? On the other recruit from uh, the state of Arizona that uh, Texas is recruiting, and that's uh, the uh, Scottsdale cornerback, Keely Ringo.
2: Yeah, I was able to connect with some people in Arizona and, um, and, and talk to them about where things stood with Keely. And, um, you know, I, against my, my better judgment, because I was probably the one pouring the most water on people during the, the spring and summer, you know, on the chances of Keely Ringo landing at Texas. Uh, I came back and said, "Hey, I'm ready to reintroduce some cautious optimism for Texas. I, I don't want to go too far overboard with this, but I think there is some growing optimism there. I think that um, you know Texas is feels that they are in it, even to a nature where it may even be close to 50-50 between them and Georgia. Uh, Jason Washington is actually headed out there this week uh, to go see uh, Ringo in action um, while the coaches are on by, and so." You know, I think that anything can happen, obviously, especially if they can get him in for his, his official he's yet to schedule that from what I know. But um I've heard it around uh Austin recently that, that they were growing optimism after talking to people in Arizona. Um it, it sounds like they're saying the same thing. So uh obviously we love to connect both sides there and um yeah, so uh, you know, it's really gonna come down to how Texas finishes down the stretch in this recruitment and then you know what Georgia decides to do as well.
1: Well it's interesting because Texas clearly outside of Jalen Green doesn't have the second corner locked down yet um because uh frankly I mean they've already gone to other people they started with Kobe Boyce as a starter this year and then went to Deshaun Jameson, and uh this week against uh, or this past week against Oklahoma State so uh, clearly there's not a defined answer for next year, at least at this point. And so Keely Ringo is one of those rare players uh, that might be uh, a guy that could could start out of the gate as a, as a true freshman. He's considered, I think, the top cornerback in the country. Is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and he absolutely could yep. start then, right out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's a coach. His high school uh, defensive backfield coach is Bryant Westbrook, right? The former Texas Longhorn. Correct.
2: Long-hour. Yeah, and that's also playing in their favor.
1: Gotcha. Um, you know, Mike, you just mentioned – go to the next segment where we talk about where you went this week and then we're talking about where you're going, but you mentioned that Jason Washington, the Texas cornerback coach, is going out on the road this week. Uh, you know of any other coaches, Texas coaches, and where they'll be this week as of right now?
2: It's something I'm still trying to uh, work on, still trying to find out um, completely. I know that Drew Maringer, I believe, will probably be out in Dallas to see Quaidarius Davis um, on Thursday, which is where I'll be, coincidentally. Um, so outside of that, I'm still working on finding out a full list so that we can get up on the site later this week.
1: Gotcha. Perfect. That's what I, I was going <laughs> to ask. So you're going to see Quadarius Davis, in. he is the receiver out of uh, Skyline, right?
2: Correct. Yeah, I'll see him on Thursday.
1: And who do they play?
2: Uh, Skyline versus Lake Highlands. So it should be a, a Skyline's had a really tough start to the year. They've lost three games, I think, by like two points each, and then beat a team that that uh, was a pretty bad team. But um, I don't know what Lake Highlands has as far as uh, overall team talent. I know their record's not very good, so. Um, I'll be interested to see what Skyline can do against them. And uh, the best,
1: uh, I got a I got a question for you. Who's the best Texas product that went to Lake Highlands High School?
2: Uh, Frank
1: Oakland. Uh No, I would I would actually put this guy ahead of Frank.
2: Is he older or younger than
1: Frank? He is older than than Frank, but not by much. Um, Maybe a decade older.
2: Okay. Then I think he's.
1: I as of last year, he's still cashing a check in the NFL. He's oh, not wow. anymore. Okay. I don't oh,
2: know. are we talking Phil Dawson? We are
1: talking Philip Dawson, <laughs> the kicker. So uh, yeah, Quay after, Davis, I've... and you did say there was another another prospect there on on Thursday night that Skyline had, or a couple. Um, yeah.
2: The, now they're home to 2022 defensive tackle Bear Alexander. He won't be playing because of uh, he was ruled ineligible this year after a transfer. Um, so he plays on JV. Actually, his name um, is Bear. His, is that right? Well, his real name's Keithan, but everybody calls him Bear. He goes by Bear. Um, he's in our database as Bear. So
1: I'm guessing uh, that's because yeah. of how he looks physically.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, he looks like the weird thing is the first time I ever saw him was at a, uh, it was a junior day this year. And he walked on campus and he looked like exactly like Keandre Coburn. Same build, same face, same beard, except he was a freshman. And (laughs) you know, know, I was like, that dude looks just like Keandre Coburn. And um, but yeah, he he looks like a bear. He's about six foot three and a half, six foot four, three thirty about. Um, really big kid. Um, outside of him, they do have a safety I like named Isaiah Nokovia. Um I don't know how interested Texas is uh, at, at, in him at this point, but I think he's a guy, he's a 21. Um, I saw him a couple times in the spring and some things. And I think he's really a guy to watch that could rise next year.
1: Gotcha. Um, what about Friday night? Where are you going?
2: Friday night, I will be going to East Texas. Uh, going to see John Tyler play uh, Texas High. So Keaton Crawford, the Texas commit uh, from John Tyler, be able to see him in game action again. Um, and, and against Texas High, which is Clayton Smith, the 2021 linebacker offer. Um, and so that should be a, a good time. I always love getting out to East Texas to see a game.
1: So Keaton was recruited as a cornerback, right? But he is playing a lot of offense this year?
2: Yeah, basically because John Tyler's really down from talent perspective. They've got basically two guys. And you, know, you know, Bobby as well as anyone. John Tyler usually is a program that in any given year could have six to seven, you know, FBS level talents this year. They've got two guys basically in the entire program that could play, um, in the FBS at some point. And so, uh, he's, he's being asked a lot to play running back in, in corner. I don't think he's fully healthy either. He's kind of had a a nagging hamstring thing. Um, and so he's beat up a little bit. He's got to play both sides of the field. Um, so I'm really interested to see what he looks like in person. I did watch Longview when they played John Tyler on television, um, and Keaton had a, a pick in that game uh, going up against uh, Hayden's King, but, um, you know, it was clear there he didn't look 100% either.
1: Gotcha. Um, I was, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine that lives out in East Texas, and he thinks – you mentioned the uh, – I don't want to say talent drain at John Tyler because that's not, a, that's not necessarily the, what's happened, but uh, my understanding is that they redrew some district or some school lines – that sent some, some of the uh, guys that used to go to John Tyler have now sent them over to, to Lee, and that may actually be affecting the overall uh, balance of of that program as well. So,
2: um, Yeah, that seems to be the issue. I think Lee has is, is benefited greatly from it.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to re-promote a, uh, another Longhorn podcast for us, and that's the Longhorn Blitz featuring Jeff Howe. Uh, just a reminder for those of you guys listening to to tune in to Jeff and the the Longhorn Blitz as well. Uh, Mike has a segment on there about recruiting, if you enjoy recruiting, and so I want you all to r- remember that. Um, Mike, uh, Texas hosted some official visitors last weekend for the Oklahoma State game. They were all committed players. Who were they?
2: Um, they had, uh, basically, yeah, they took the opportunity to host uh, their committed guys um, for the most part. So guys like Jaquin and Jackson, uh, guys like Jaron Thompson, uh, Andre Carriage, the offensive lineman from Southlake. Uh, they made the officials. I believe uma Lee was official as well. Uh, Xavier Alford took his official. Ty Jordan took his official. Um, and so they basically were able to knock a lot of those out during the season. Um which, I, I don't know, it depends on which way you look at it. I think that if you've got a lot of prospects left on the table, you obviously want to save those guys till the end, and then you get them on a big visit weekend in December when you're bringing in your other targets and, and really be able to create the excitement. But with Texas really only having two or three spots, I think that these guys wanted to get their officials done. Texas was okay with doing them this weekend, knowing that they are committed. They've been there a million times. It's not like they need to you know, be that concerned with, uh, with making sure they're having the best time possible. And, um, so they were able to get him out of the way.
1: I, I, I got to say this too, with, with a guy like Jackson, I mean, he's going to, it's going to be rare for him to have a free weekend because he's, he's hoping to go to the state finals. South Lake Carroll oh, yeah. hopes to go deep into the playoffs. I mean, some of these guys are play for teams that don't necessarily have free weeks until mid-December or late December.
2: Absolutely, I would throw like Jared Thompson from Lufkin in there. I mean, Lufkin is every bit of a uh, every bit of a, a a state title contender as anyone. So, yeah, I think that that getting those out of the way then um, really, you know, because when we get down the, down the road into state, if you're one of those state teams, you basically can't take your official until January because by the time the state championship game's over, well, then you're into the dead period.
1: Right. That's exactly right. So, Mike, just to to. The other thing that I thought was interesting that I heard uh, from Tom Herman is that the reason they were okay with doing an an in-season official visit for a uh, football game which they typically don't like to do is that Texas itself was on a bye this coming week and so Sunday could be used as a full day with with those recruits whereas normally in a game week they're just looking forward to the the coaches are already busy on the next game plan for the next team. Uh, but here uh, they were presented with a situation where there was nobody, there was no game to be had this week. And so the coaches felt like they could uh, give the, the recruits uh, ample time and interview.
2: And yeah, absolutely. I mean, on Sundays that's usually on the official visit weekend, they go to Tom Herman's house and have a, a meal. Um, you know, they they have uh, individual position meetings. They have uh, a meeting with, with Tom Herman as well. And so, you know, they're in the, the regular flow of game week and getting right back into game planning and, and preparing. It's hard to pay those kids the attention that they need on an official visit. and You really don't want to waste an official visit. So, yeah, when they've got a buy, it makes it a lot easier to do it on the back end. Um, you know, I, I'm a little shocked. I mean, I guess, you know, they really only had to – The coaches really only had to do game work on Saturday, Friday and Saturday at the official visit. But uh, I'm a little shocked that they they had them in on a game as big as Oklahoma State just because I I would have figured they wanted their focus there. But, you know, I think that also speaks to really the the growing confidence of the coaching staff week in and week out that, you know, that they think what they think of their team and and their chances to win.
1: I got to say this. The downside risk there is pretty big, too, if Texas would have went out there and laid an egg. So, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. There's always that to consider. Um, Now, some some on the we we started this show about talking about Texas flipping Troy Omir from A and M to Texas. Um, There are a couple of uh, Texas commits that are visiting elsewhere um, at this point uh, and coming up this weekend, and I want to preface this with they've already Texas is already well aware of this and so there's not this huge reason for concern at the same time Texas wants these guys to both stick with the longhorns so talk to talk to me about the couple of guys that are uh, taking visits elsewhere
2: yeah Josh Eaton and Princely Uma Milan will both be taking official visits to Oklahoma um you know I go back and forth on it obviously you don't want your your committed guys taking official visits but um The thing I think I've come to the conclusion of is uh, these visits have been on the books for quite a while. And I think it's more understandable to see a kid take that visit that he's had scheduled for a bit. I think it's more worrisome if an official just pops up out of nowhere and all of a sudden they decide one weekend, oh, I'm going to hear on an official. That to me really truly indicates a a looking around type thing. Um, So, you know, obviously you worry any time one of your kids is on another campus, but for Texas... I think that they, they know where they stand uh, with both Eaton and Uma and, um, you and know, they'll obviously be monitoring the situation.
1: Yep, Uma Milen, the uh, defensive tackle lineman out of uh, Manor, just uh, in suburban Austin. I guess it's suburban Austin now. Uh, it's grown so much since, I, uh, I, since uh, back in the day. And then uh, the other one is uh, Josh Eaton, the corner, uh, lanky corner really out of Aldine MacArthur. Um, Mike I, I appreciate your time again uh, we are going to end this podcast with a nice three four minute interview uh, that uh, Mike had with uh, B. John Robinson this weekend while he was out in Arizona Mike thanks for your time today and uh, look forward to next week
2: yeah absolutely it was a good time so uh, thanks to everybody for listening we'll see y'all next week
1: alright take care now
2: Bajan, I'll try to make it quick and let you get out of here and celebrate. Um, I mean it, just kind of following y'all stats this year, it seems like you guys have had some really huge performances. I mean yes, what do you know what do you say about
3: your team and the, the talent around you? Um you know for this year's team, you know, we work we work very hard to try to get where we at. Um you know we, we have our new uh, training staff, uh, Coach Garrett. You know, how she takes it as a team and, you know, disciplines us, you know, on and off the field. You just become, you know, better men. But just how we condition and how we work in practice, you know, it really does show, you know, on the field on Friday nights.
2: I saw her working on in the pregame. She looks pretty tough.
3: She, she She's pretty she, – she's very she's very she's tough.
2: Weight coach. She's
3: the best weight coach in the nation. Strength yeah. and
0: conditioning coach in the
3: nation. She's really tough, but, you know, it's all love. Like, she does it out yeah. of love. You know, she loves every single one of us. Um, just how she prepares us and, you know, tells us, like – you no, know, we gotta keep grinding, keep working hard. Not not for you know the beginning of the season, but you know for the open division or other other achievements I was trying to get. But you know she she puts us in a good position to play the best that we can on Friday. All right,
2: uh, just recruiting wise, I know you've already taken your official to Texas.
3: Are you getting back there for any unofficials? Uh yeah, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. You know whenever we got a break, probably Thanksgiving. Okay. But during the season, you know when we have games and stuff, it's a little uh, hard to do yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. You know me and me and Leighton experienced it last year with the Michigan stuff, but. You know, now we're just, you know, focused on this season, and we'll try to talk about the Texas. Business.
2: Okay, um, what have you said? Did you, I mean, have you got to see much Texas this
3: year? Yes, I have. I've seen every game. Okay, what
2: uh, do you think
3: of them so far? I, I love how they run the ball and how they, you know, utilize the running backs for the offense. I know they have a little bit of struggles at running back right now with the injuries and stuff, but right now how they're, you know, using the backs and, you know, taking control of, you know, with the, the skill level that they got, it's the best It's the best thing for me.
2: I know you've you've got a couple of officials left. Are you still
3: planning on taking those, or are you pretty much shut down? Um, I I might. We'll see. I just don't know yet. Uh, Maybe maybe LSU, but we'll see. If not, yeah, it's it's just Texas right now.
2: Where would you say your commitment is with Texas? Like pretty strong? It's strong.
3: It's very. It's very strong. Uh, We talk every day, you know, on the phone, and just how we'll. we're, We're talking about next year, and not you know more so this year. So just the future and what we, we can do together. It's the best thing. I didn't really get to talk to you after you committed. What was it that kind of made you make that decision? Um, you know, for, first of all, it was like, it was the best decision for me. Um, you know, God was kind of leading me towards mm-hmm. towards that decision uh, with uh, with Texas. But, you know, hey, once hey. talking to the coaches and, you know, getting the feel with the program and the players that they got, uh, it was it was the best thing for me.
2: And then can you just give me kind of a, you know, your relationship with Stan Drake and what you like about him?
3: Yeah, me and Coach Stan are we're super close. You know, it's rare that you kind of get a coach that you know believes in God, and you know we talk about the scripture every day, and you know we, we kind of send each other a lot of things to motivate the both of us. But Coach Drayton, just what he's come from and the running backs that he's you know producing in the NFL, it, it's he's the best running back for me. running back coach, and just you know how he had Zeke and you know kind of developed him from from high school and to college. That's I feel like he's a good for
2: me. My last question for you: if There's a guy out there that you could pick that you say like your game most closely resembles or you model it after. Who would it be?
3: You know, I always say the the USC Reggie Bush, but if I had to, if I had to choose somebody, I'll say LaShawn McCoy. Just that agility and you yeah. know how he gets in and out of cuts and th- that acceleration, that explosion that he has. You know, LaShawn McCoy, that's he's the best one.
0: New CBS Sunday.